0: My name is Adam Eberhardt, and you are listening to the Emerald Podcast
1: Network.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Idea Industry Podcast.
1: My name is Francisca Monahan. I'm the senior podcast editor here at the Daily Emerald. And I'm Emily Garcia. I am the host of the Idea Industry Series Podcast Oh my gosh, Francisca! It's the last episode.
0: It is the last one of many lasts we are facing as we are about to graduate from the U of O S O J C here in a couple of weeks.
1: I'm trying really hard not to cry right now. I didn't think I'd get
0: verklempt, no! but I guess I am. No! Oh, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get away from those fields, and we're gonna talk shop. We're gonna talk about where this show has gone. What we've yeah. covered, what's just kinda like been the trends of the advertising world since we started this show last fall. Yeah. Um so Emily, when we started the show, it wasn't I wasn't the co host of it. It was our friend Zach Moss, who yep. was at the time our opinion editor, but he left us.
1: Yeah. That was a that was a little rough because this is Zach's and my I, I don't know if you would call it baby or if you would call it like our love child or something. Um, but the reason this whole podcast started was because I sat next to Zach in the newsroom when I was working as the senior designer at the Emerald. And every day Zach would come in and he'd be like, so I was watching this advertisement and I wanted your opinion on it. And he was doing this about every day. And so then Cooper came up to us. Uh, Cooper Green is the editor in chief and he said you know we're really low on podcasts this week and you know we're really you know opinion desk is really falling behind so Zach we need you to come up with a podcast for this next week and so Zach looked at me and I looked at him and he's like do you want to do a podcast about advertising and why it matters and I said oh yeah sure not thinking any of it and I remember coming in And I'm sure you remember this, too. Oh, I totally remember. I remember
0: you had, like, this whole thing. Like, you had pages and pages of notes that you were going to shuffle through. Like, actual hard notes that you are going to shuffle through during the podcast. And I was like, this is not going to work. Yeah,
1: Zach (laughs) just looks at me and he's like, how fast can you memorize, like, six pages of that? And I was like, I have no clue. But that was our sexual objectification of women in advertising episode. And I remember that because that was, like where I realized, oh, my God, I have so many opinions on this issue. And I was like – and Zach came up to me afterwards, and he's like, so, hey, would you want to make this actually a series rather than, you know, just a one-time thing? And so that's where this child went, and it's crazy to think how much the ad world has changed since October Yeah, a
0: lot has gone down. I mean, our whole – a lot of things in media have changed just in like the whole world of media has changed since october um so we started out with the sexual objectivity of women in that first episode um do you have any like updates on that uh the company that you talked about that had done that ad um like what they're where you see them now and where they're going with uh uh, when it comes to those kinds
1: of ads yeah so Awesome news, Uh, Carl's Jr. literally blew up its sexual objectification campaign and no longer uses sexy um, models and bikinis to sell burgers anymore. 72 and Sunny, woot woot, broke them away from that. And now they have like this killer campaign where they're actually making fun of themselves for using girls to sell burgers for so long. And I'm just like, yes, snaps, this is why someday when... I'm at the top of my game. I would love to work at 72 and Sunny someday. Like, I just, I got it. It's, it's amazing. And they do such great work. And I'm so proud of them for doing that because as a woman and as somebody in the ad industry, I'm like, it's about damn time that Carl's Jr. just blows up that thing. But moving forward from that, we've also talked about a lot of other issues such as the Pepsi Cola commercial with Kendall Jenner. That's now coming becoming sort of like a meme, in a I sense. I know,
0: yeah. it's It's been funny to watch where that, that's gone, because that ad was taken down really quickly, and then we didn't hear anything about it. But I've seen some videos lately. Uh, there's been, unfortunately, there's been some protesting and rioting in certain cities, including Portland, most recently. Um, but uh, I've just I've seen videos of like this guy going around in riots like holding a can of Pepsi trying to like yep. hand it to people and then like he'll try to hand it to like a cop and then the cop will just like just walk by him just like brush him off and then I saw like once like he gave it to like a protester and then the protester like threw the can of Pepsi like and they were like getting used as weapons I don't know I thought it was it was a funny meme but until it turned yeah out, like. <laughs>
1: stuff got real real quick um i think the biggest thing that we've n- noticed just in this series and just me going to class and you know covering and talking about the advertising industry is the fact that in less than nine months we have watched our world turn into everything is a political message or everything is becoming a political message it's becoming A time where you have to take a side you have to take a stand in some way shape or form and advertising has been doing that a lot I mean we had the uh, lumber commercial from the Super Bowl we had the epic fail of the Pepsi commercial we've seen brands that are stepping up and starting to like acknowledge their role in the world and society's issues this is an interesting time for us to be going out into the world both as advertising majors and journalism majors like this is a what is your viewpoint on how our world has changed so much in the last
0: yeah from the journalism side of this it's it's been hard because there are i've been having like this conversation with whenever i meet a professional that i admire or that i have an opportunity to work with i try to ask their opinions on objectivity because I find that it used to like this idea of objectivity used to be held in such a like it was just such a golden standard of journalism but now people are starting to be more skeptical of that idea I um, I especially see it in like younger journalists like my peers who are really wondering what what the point of objectivity is if we're not going to be believed in the first place I mean especially with the whole onslaught of like fake news like we can be objective, but we're always going to be painted as biased just by the fact that we're media because the White House has this beef against the the media industry. Um, and so while journalists have had to be really careful about how they take their steps with objectivity and trying to figure out where the line is and stay like, do the work that they have to be doing, but also not inflaming the situation anymore, advertising has seemed to take up the reins in that sense, where they're really using the power, their corporate power, as a way to communicate political opinion and and different social views. And I think that it's also, I mean, that's great, and it's inspirational to watch, but at the same time, we've seen instances where it's hard to sort of pinpoint the motives of advertisers i mean they are working for large companies who are pushing agendas and whether or not that these these political messages that they're sending are genuine like what we saw with the lumber commercial um which we talked about where they really preyed on this this strong emotional and political viewpoint on, of immigration And they used it to their own, they used it in a really ambiguous way in order to kind of like push their agenda and push their product and their company. And it turned out that it wasn't really a genuine stand that they had been, uh, that they had been advertising. And so I think it's, it's leading to a lot of really interesting conversations of where, where advertisers stand in those messages. Um, And if they are actually as genuine as we want them to be, or is that they would like us or that. would like us to believe they are
1: exactly and i wish i could have something to add on to that but you you nailed it right there um advertising is definitely having to pick up the slack about what our government and what other people are lagging on and that's you know we have to start fighting for causes we believe in because with you don't have to be true to whatever side you are politically to realize that we are at a stance in our society right now at a time in history, where if you care about something, you're going to have to be the one to go out there and fight for it. And right now we're at this point in time in our lives where this next generation has seen the mistakes made of our parents and our grandparents, that now they're so cynical about their ability to change the world that they're taking different ways to do it. And they realize that, we all realize, I think, that where the power lies is in the money and brands have the money. And it's time that brands recognize their power in the world and start using it for the better good. And that's why I'm really excited to go into the advertising business right now. It's it's scary because, you know, when I first started in the J school as an ad major, I remember sitting in Deb Morrison's creative strat class. It's like the entry level uh ad class it's literally like welcome to the ad industry like and i remember alex morrison was one of the first people to Skype in and i love alex i've always brought up alex because honestly alex is the type of strategist i want to grow up and become and the first thing alex said is he said if you have a strong opinion and you like research and you want to back up your opinions with research you're a strategist if you think ahead you're a strategist if you're wondering what other people are thinking you're a strategist and he's like and if you have something to say and you are willing to provide a five page annotated bibliography to back up everything you're saying you are most definitely a strategist and i feel like right now especially in this time where we're going into the world at such a politically polarized environment I honestly have to say that Alex Morrison's comment about being a strategist with an opinion and a five-page annotated bibliography is more important than ever because just in general, everybody's skeptical, everybody's scared. And the truth of the matter is, is it's not being helped by how... And I love the media industry because I'm in the media industry, but the media industry isn't helping people become less cynical and less afraid of the things that are happening right now because we are living in a scary time. But it's a great time for journalists and advertising experts because this is the time where we earn our paycheck and we work and we sweat and we realize that there's actually payoff right now.
0: Yeah, right now, I mean, it's harder to do our jobs and therefore we have to be better to do them. And then there's really important issues that we have to uncover. Um, but I going back to kind of what you said about like money and, and big companies having the money to spend and push these agendas and also being like a strategist and having research and backing up your research where I, I, I could imagine being a listener and then just thinking and being worried that is this just propaganda like are our advertisements like are advertisements giving us these political agendas because they are being genuine or is it or is it propaganda like it's a it's a fine line you know
1: yeah what what is your opinion on that i absolutely see where you're coming from and that's where i work my butt off as a strategist to make sure is this genuine um this last term i got the wonderful privilege of spending my last term working on a pitch for adidas for my campaigns class And I remember just sitting in this room, and I'm sure I drove my teammates crazy because I was just researching after researching. And I was always just like, no, guys, we got to stay true to the brand. And that's where you have to know the brand. You have to know the brand better than the brand knows the brand. And that's where you get the genuine stuff versus the propaganda. Because the propaganda has a little bit of stuff. It goes with the easy route but where you find the stuff that's genuine that people can see it's genuine is when you delve so deep and you look at this and you're just like yeah that makes sense like that makes total sense like adidas pairing up with kanye and coming out with yeezys like nobody ever thought about that before but when you take a step back and you take a second and realize it you're like actually that's that makes perfect sense. And Can that's what i Can you so like, explain
0: that? That campaign was like a little while ago, wasn't it? Can yeah. you explain what it was so people remember?
1: So, Adidas has come out with a new line of shoes. Um, this is around 2015, 2014. Adidas is kind of getting to that point where they were on the verge of, honestly, they were on the verge of brand evolution, where they were going to face brand Darwinism and not make it through because Nike has a solid own on the elite athlete brand and you know adidas was just you know kind of they were surviving but in advertising and in brands you don't want to just survive you want to thrive and so what adidas did is they kind of took a look at themselves and they decided to partner up with kanye west to release these shoes designed by kanye these are called the yeezy collection it also includes a fashion line and you know everybody at the beginning was like wait a second that that's crazy but then when you take a second and you think about it and you let it marinate in your brain for a while you're like that makes total sense because fashion goes hand in hand with music because music influences fashion and music and fashion influence athletics and you see how all of these little things are connected but I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in examining each individual flower or each individual paint stroke of this world we live in we don't take a step back to see how it's all connected and that's kind of why as a strategist i like to look at the tiny tiny details and then take a step back and see the full constellation Uh so could you
0: really quickly just i mean so you're talking about seeing the whole picture and realizing that everything is connected like music and fashion and athleticism and all these things are connected but when you're taking a political idea like immigration how do you make that how do you take that into an ad and make it a big picture instead of little parts
1: that's a really good question and honestly i don't think i have like how do you
0: how do you so i guess what i'm asking is like so fashion and athleticism and kanye blah 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 like those are things that seem unrelated to adidas um but the advertisement made it work and it made it about all of the same thing and so when you're thinking about like one of these politicized ads and s- on some level people are skeptical of them it's like okay pepsi cola like why are you taking a stand now all you are is a soda mm-hmm. where, where does where does freedom of speech and the right to protest come into this or like if you're a lumber company where does immigration come into this like that kind of situation like how how do advertisers make that leap and figure out where those things are connected and how those become a bigger picture together.
1: I think the best example would actually be Airbnb and their advertisement they ran during the Super Bowl. It wasn't on TV. It was actually on social media. And Airbnb is all about people finding places where they can stay and belong and feel like they're locals in the places they're staying. So feeling welcomed. And, you know, immigration is about moving and finding a different home. And so in that case, it makes sense because you have this place that's involving hospitality and going into somebody's home and connecting people with these countries that they're visiting and they're taking a stand on the immigration issue. That makes perfect sense where Pepsi got it wrong with the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and the riots and share a Pepsi, you change the world sort of mantra is they didn't understand the conversation that was happening. They just jumped in blindly. They saw, oh, hey, we can connect two and two together, when really that's not the case at all. And I think that's where now is the time where strategists and advertising people and journalists are going to have to look beyond what is easy and take the more difficult path to what is right.
0: Okay. Okay. So I know I've heard you use the term human truth before in our little talks. And so what I'm kind of gathering from how you're describing something like the Airbnb commercial is that you, in order to have like a product, speak with authority about one of these important issues is they somehow link themselves to the human truth that is within that issue.
1: And the thing about finding the human truth is you got to go through the nitty gritty. You got to go through some some disgusting faces of humanity because the truth is humanity isn't beautiful it's not pretty all the time guys it's disgusting and you don't have to you know think too hard to realize it is but where the human truth is discovered is where you have the courage but you also have the tactfulness to talk with somebody not only about their successes but also about their failures and you have to know how to navigate that ground so you can eventually find where that human truth holds true. And that means you can't just look at the surface. you got to get underneath that and see the dirty, grimy, gritty, hard human truth that's under it. And sometimes it's a happy human truth. Other times it is not a super great human truth. But the human truth is delved well beneath the surface, so you got to be willing to get your hands dirty to find it.
0: All right. Well, we could talk about this topic for forever. This is like the entire show that we're trying to distill. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And we're going to go over time if we're not careful. But so this is our last episode, which is super sad. It's been so much fun to uh, produce every week and just talk about our favorite advertisements and least favorite advertisements and just also learning about, like at least for me, like learning about how this world works because it's not what I do. Um, But I think like right now maybe – We are leaving, we're graduating, so we should make it a little bit about us Um, and kind of talk about what our, so we're both like our common, like we're, we're from totally different realms within the J school, but we're both J students. So I Mm -hmm. guess what we should do now is talk about what our greatest takeaways from the J school were and what we wish we could have done. And so maybe hopefully if someone is coming in to our shoes right now, they're coming up through the ranks and they're listening to this, they'll, they'll be able to get something out of this conversation to help their own careers
1: Okay, so I think you should go first because you' you've been so much fun to work with, and I usually monopolize the mic. So Francisco, what is your number, actually, what is your number one thing you want another J student coming in to do that you didn't have the chance to do?
0: Something that a J student could do, that I didn't do, that I wish that I did. Um, I did a lot. And sometimes I feel like I did too much. Um, it just kind of came with the realm of like being one of the only kids that does radio at school and feeling like I had to be part of everything because otherwise it was all going to fall apart and no one was ever going to pick up radio ever again. It was just going to die with like my graduating and my few, the few radio kids who were graduating this year. Um, so I would say I wish that I could have really, I was a part of so many things and I really loved it and I did get a lot to, out of being in those things and like, really delving deep within them but i feel like if i had just had the chance to just like pick one thing and really really go at it and like i could have made some like really cool projects but i mean i loved working at the emerald and being an editor and helping other people make stuff but at the same time i didn't get to make as many things for myself so i wish i would have gotten to like focus on my portfolio a little more instead of helping other people build theirs but at the same time i mean no regrets i mean that's just the way it was yeah what about you emily
1: I have two things, actually. So I really, really wish, because I was a transfer student. I transferred into the University of Oregon right before my junior year. And I was just like, I'm getting out of here in two years. And I'm going to make sure I make the most of those two years and get everything I have done and then fit in as much extracurriculars as possible. And run on very little sleep. And there's one thing I absolutely wish I did. And that was study abroad doing the Media in Ghana program. I
0: did the Media in Ghana program. I am so jealous. Oh but my gosh, I like, it was
1: so good. I wish I did that because I've never been out of the country. And I'm not the type of person that likes going to the stereotypical, like... Tourist spots and tourist traps. Like for me, Ghana was like, oh my gosh, this is like a little jewel to unfold and this is an adventure and yes, I want to do it. And I just, I didn't prioritize correctly. I got caught up in the extracurriculars that I didn't make it as much of a priority. So I was unable to do it. And so now I'm looking back and I wish I did that. Um, but on an unprofessional side, I kind of wish I took more time to have fun and really hang out and enjoy the people i was working with more beyond just working with them um i'm kind of like you i i worked in duck tv when i was here I, when i first came to the ovo I was in pr so i was in pr ssa i was doing duck tv i did my hawaiian club i did hula i was just involved with a lot of stuff and then I switched majors and I became obsessed with ad, ad, ad. And I was taking on projects with other people, which is great. But I was still doing Duck TV and Hawaiian Club and Hula. And then I took on, you know, Emerald. And so what ended up happening is I was so focused on I need to have such a stellar portfolio when I graduate. And I need these experiences so I can be the professional I want to be that I didn't take too much time to have fun. And I wish I could go back and say, go to dollars at Taylor's more like take advantage of that. Go to drink wheel, go take photos with friends and have fun and be goofy. Like, don't worry that you're going to be running on two hours of sleep (laughs) at work on Friday morning because you were out having fun with friends. Like, go do that and take as many pictures as you can. And don't be afraid to, like, actually be seen as goofy because... That's what makes college worth it. So that's my piece of advice.
0: Well, don't feel too much like a loser. I've never <laughs> been to Dollars or whale. but I did go on the media and Ghana trip. And if you are listening and you are looking for a study abroad, do it. Ghana is just like the best place ever. It's so much fun.
1: So really fast, so we have times to do thank yous at the end. What is your favorite moment? Like the moment that when you look back on your college experience here at the SOJC, you're like this moment was like... The moment,
0: my my one moment at the SOJC, oh boy, that is really difficult. Um, I actually got to study abroad like quite often, or I I did like quite a few abroad sort of experiences, experiential learning things, and I would say that the most fun that I ever had in as a part of the J School was probably the media in Ghana program. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's totally fine. No, I love that. I'm sorry. Um, and I don't know. I think it was that was a high point because it's like before I wasn't really sure if this is what I wanted to do and then going on that trip and being like, I can be self-sufficient and independent in a part of the world I've never been before and I don't speak the language. I mean, a lot of people speak English there, but I didn't speak like the local language. I can like make my way around town, take public transit. Like that was just a really empowering experience. And so... um, And the people I met were just like really inspirational and very smart and just good at their jobs. And they just made me feel really impassioned about what I was doing. Um, So that was probably like the high point. And all the kids that were on the trip too were just like super great. Uh, It was a great crew. Um, That was probably the most fun that I've had in the J school.
1: Right on. What about you? Okay. It's a two-part thing. So. One of the moments when I was most proud of what I was doing, and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be able to make a difference, was when um, last summer when I did my documentary on Hawaiian cultural preservation through art. It was my Gateway project that I took from Gateway and expanded into a 15 minute documentary. You can actually see it on my website, emilyfkgarcia.com. It's called Carrying On. It was in that moment when I realized people were coming up to me and they were like, hey, we want to show it at this festival. Hey, we want to show it at that festival. I was like, holy crap, this is cool. And like, that was a big moment for me. But I think the moment that when I look back on my college career as the biggest takeaway is, oh my gosh, I did so many things in two years. And the moment when I really recognized it, was when I was in New York, and we were at 72 and Sunny's office. And from the moment I got to the ad program, I've always looked up to 72 and Sunny, and I've always looked up to Glenn Cole. And I promised myself, like, one day I want to meet Glenn Cole at 72 and Sunny's office, either in LA or New York. And so I'm standing there, and I'm looking at the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan skyline, and I'm thinking, holy crap, I just accomplished this goal I've had for myself since I was sitting in that chair uh, on the first day of Creative Strat, and I'm here. And so it kind of meant to me that it was like... No, don't cry. I'm not going (laughs) to cry. But it was like, oh, my gosh, I've just accomplished a new goal. I've just accomplished this goal. Now I need to find a new goal. And it's like I can literally think of any goal I want, and I can go for it, and I can go for it because... I got all of the skills along the way with the professors I've had. And it's all because of this J school. And this is not propaganda. There were sometimes like being a student, a J student was a bitch because I, <laughs> I would have to turn down hanging out with friends because I had projects due. And I had to pull late nighters to finish the projects. And I had to work my butt off to get what I got. But I wouldn't change any of it because I just... I got so much from this program. So I think... Except that, for
0: not going to media in Ghana. I,
1: I'm still salty about that. Actually, I'm marinating on that. I heard that term when I was in New York. It's like, it's when the saltiness has lasted so long, it's now a marinade. So okay, I'm, I'm yeah, still yeah, marinating yeah. over that. I'll eventually let it go. But we got a few thank yous to say. So, Francisca, you can go and like thank whoever we need to thank. On- All right.
0: Well, I'm going to thank the Emerald. I mean... It's been great to work there and have the opportunity to build this network with my colleague Emerson Malone. Shout out to my great associate editor, Um, and just all the crew there, including you, Emily. Like everyone who has like stepped into this podcast booth with me to let me uh, tell them like how to talk and how to like sit in the chair correctly and what not to do. Close to the microphone uh, and like make me say them. Like make me like or. Like, when I have to, like, make them say the same thing over and over again, they were all part of the process of creating this, and I am really excited to see where it goes, and I'm hoping that it will continue on. I have faith in the people who are coming in next year. So, um, yeah, thank you to the J School for having this nice little setup down here for us to do this. Um, Yeah, I guess those are my, my, big, my big thank yous.
1: Okay. And thanks for
0: the listeners. Jeez, yeah. like, you guys who have listened to us. I mean, I know there's not a lot of you, but... It's still it's better the quality. than nothing.
1: It's the quality that counts. <laughs> wow, I'm gonna have a really long list, so I'm gonna go through it. So first and foremost, I gotta thank Francisca for giving us this awesome opportunity to chat with you guys every week, and the Emerald for hiring on a somewhat green designer and taking her in and making her realize, hey, I'm a strategist. So thank you, Raquel and my family at the Emerald. Love you guys. Um, I also have to say a super big shout out to the advertising professors here at the University of Oregon Deborah Morrison, Dave Caranda, Tom McDonald, Stephen Asbury, uh, Professor Chavez, and Troy Elias, and Heather Schoenberger. I never took a class from you, but you were still super great. Like all of you guys, all of you teachers just inspired us so much. And it's because of you that I think. All of us in the ad program feel like we can tackle this big, scary world. Um, I also want to thank Zach Moss. We yeah, Zach. you, Zach. <laughs> Sorry for it's, taking your
0: spot. Or it's, it's your fault, actually. Your, <laughs> I
1: know you had to leave and go on to bigger, better things. But without you, this podcast would not have happened. And I also have to say thank you to my wonderful, awesome teammates along the road. Um, from the Gander Pitch to the Adidas fam to heck even bitty foods way way back in January you guys have totally shaped this process and I also have to say one last thank you I'm so sorry to the young professionals out there the young ducks that are taking us little ducklings under their wing to help us into the industry thank you especially Alex Morrison Ariana Garay. you guys are amazing, and I wish there was a better word than thank you, but thank you's all I got. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you for helping us achieve our full potential here at the J School.
0: Okay, we are well over our time limit, so we're gonna go. It's the last episode, so there's been a bit of an allowance, but anyways. Like always, if you are not sick of hearing from us, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Frannie Monahan with an I-E, not a Y.
1: And I'm Emily underscore Kalei. That's K-A-L-E-I. Please follow and I'll tweet back at you.
0: Um, And if you liked what you heard here, you can subscribe to Emerald Podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud. There will be more after this week. Um, It is my last week as podcast editor, but we have someone coming on right afterwards to take my place. And they're going to build up the podcast network over the summer and next year. So there will be more content where this came from. And yeah, if you want to leave us a comment or send us a message just about anything in general, if you have an idea for a podcast that you'd like to pitch for next year, you want to get involved, come at us. We'd love to talk to you. All right. Thanks, guys, for everything and for listening. Have a great summer.
1: Mahalo nui loa, guys. Bye.